and welcome back to the coaching couch. I am here with Coach Manny and owner Manny Ayala. How do you pronounce that? Aleon. Well, depends who's trying to say it. Well, I'm Hispanic, so I'm going to say Aleon. Almost Aleon. Aleon. Okay. But if you're white, it's Aleon. Aleon. All right. So with owner and coach Manny Aleon, and I'm with head of operations. Coach Cameron Hudson. It's actually um, Hudson. Hudson. <laughs> so, uh, this is episode three, right? And we wanted to get into some good content, and we wanted to talk about a plethora of things today. But we're gonna we're gonna open up with the old um, competition format that CrossFit had. Obviously, now they they've changed the stipulations of how you can qualify for the games. And um, I just always, I mean, I know you guys have been CrossFitters for a very long time. And um, so you were around with the old format. How do you like the old format versus the new format? Well, I guess we'll define on what the old format is, because I think a lot of our listeners are probably newer and don't really know what the old format was. Yes. So uh, way back in the day, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I may... I forget how you actually qualify for the games way, way back. Um, well, if you're starting with sectionals, right? Yes. It was the open sectionals. No, I'm saying even before the open. Yeah, so I'm they, I'm like on that end. I'm, I, I didn't even know anything about sectionals or anything like so, that. So. so then let's actually go into, because most people actually know it probably from when the open started. So mm -hmm. it was uh, the open, then the top 60 from the open went to a uh, regional. And then from the regionals, the top uh, three went to the games. And then later on, they still had the open and then the regionals split to super regionals. And then they only took, uh, I forget, like the top 20 from each region from each went region. to the super regionals. Yes. And then um, more recently, they had the sanctional uh, competition. So now the top 20 from the Open get an automatic bid to go to the games as well as the winners of um, each country get mm -hmm. an invite. And then now you have the sanctional competition, which is multiple sanctionals throughout the year. And if you win the sanctional, you get an invite to the games. Okay. So I, I'm i just going to, from my personal opinion, I miss regionals. Um, it was a chance for you to kind of go and root for the hometown hero. I think now with this new situation and the way it's set up, it doesn't really give you that opportunity. But it does make it a little bit more competitive. I, do, I will agree with that because we've had this conversation before, and you you know your your input was it makes it more of a sport and makes it more competitive. I'm just saying it from my point of view. I I miss regionals. Yeah, well, and if that's your you know look at Dave Castro, what does he want to do? He wants to make it more of a sport. Yeah. So if you want to do that, you have to do the sanctionals. You have to make more money involved and open it up a little bit. Um, you know, for a lot of the guys and the girls, that's their livelihood. So if they're going to Wadapalooza and Dubai and sponsors are paying for them and getting their brand out there, now it's an actual career that they can have. Mm -hmm. Whereas before you had regionals where there's no money, it was a very slim shot that you were getting to the games. True. So it really only left, you know, the... 0.01% of people to be sponsored and, and make money that way. Well, 
I mean, I don't work for CrossFit HQ, but um, I actually think that the entire purpose of having the sanctionals is not to make it more of a legit sport. I don't think CrossFit uh, gives a shit about that at all. Um, I know that uh, Coach Glassman doesn't care about it really at all. But they're two separate things. They are, but one influences the other. So uh, Glassman has a lot of control over um, how the games are actually run. So it's not all Dave Castro. He's the organizer of the actual like events and the programming, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have the final say on how things go. It's actually Coach Glassman. He has the final say because he's the one who's actually organizing the the budget. And um, so, do you think that Glassman just wanted to be hands off with? the regionals type stuff and was like, Hey, it's one less thing that we have to worry about and plan and deal with from an operational standpoint. So let's delegate it out much like they did with their media. They were like, Hey, we're firing the whole department. Everybody's freelance. Yes. So part of it was that, but the major part was money. So the major part was CrossFit was spending an enormous amount of money on something that wasn't a part of their larger picture and their mission. So by eliminating the regionals, because they weren't making money on the regionals or very little money, if that. Okay. So they were spending money on the regionals, getting no return on mm-hmm. it, and then and then funding the games and really not making any money off that either. So by cutting out the regionals, now you open up opportunity for other organizations to host these sanctionals and become licensed sanctionals. So now they're actually paying CrossFit to run these events, and then those event organizers are also running it their way so they can create a profit for themselves. So, so it's actually a massive uh, win-win. So by that logic, I guess, how can you say that that's not their intention to make it a bigger sport? That was just a really cool, um, that's a really cool byproduct of what happened. That wasn't, I don't think they cared whether or not it was a real sport or not. Their intentions were to save money and still i guess have the 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 uh what coach Glassman calls the the sideshow mm-hmm. i thought that was the reason for the super regionals because instead of having two separate weekends then he had one super weekend and then that was it yes it, it was pretty much for like budget cuts okay essentially because now you had instead of having i forget how many regionals there were 13 or something like yeah, that. And then, ridiculous. and then you cut it in half. Mm-hmm. So now you have half of the spending, but now you eliminate regionals completely. And guess what? Now you're actually, now you're actually making money because now the sanctionals have to pay you to license it as a sanctional. Mm. Oh yeah. It's really effing smart. Yeah. See, no one has ever explained it to me that way. So I kind of didn't really understand what was the reasoning behind it. Um, and I also thought it was, and you kind of shed light on this before. I thought it was a little unfair to the athlete because there's no real off season. You know what I mean? At least you had um, some seasonal format. You know, you had the open, so you can gear up for you know the open. And then you, if, if you're this level athlete, right, you gear up for the open, get to regionals, and then games, if, depending on where you fall in that whole layout. But I feel like now it's just all year round. There's something going on. Well, they can still. <clears throat> they have the freedom to decide what Which sanctional they go to. So they can build their season. You know, if they're like, hey, Wadapalooza is going to be my best shot. That mm-hmm. happens in February. Qualifiers are in December or whatever the dates are. They build their year around that. Okay. Um, if they want to do multiple sanctionals, they can kind of 
loop them together so that the training kind of falls in like the same thing. Um, but then it's a lot more access for your bubble athletes who would maybe be a regional level athlete, but not quite the caliber to get to the games. Now they can go to these smaller sanctionals and they have like a better chance yeah. at going. So it gives them um, more opportunity to, to eventually get to that level. Yeah, that's why I kind of lean towards, I think Glassman wasn't necessarily looking to grow the sport, but he understood that this would happen and and it did provide you know a lot of access because you open up the sanctionals, now more people are going to be involved, more money's just coming through, there's more awareness of CrossFit as a whole, which ultimately that's what he wants. Not for the sporting reasons. No, but if the games has more exposure... And then it's like this trickle down. People now find, you know, CrossFit main site. They find all of the other value uh, that it has. I guess. I mean, look, CrossFit's on ESPN. You know, so somebody watching who's never heard of CrossFit before, they turn on ESPN, they see the games. You know, maybe they're like, oh, I'm not going to be Matt Fraser, but I'm interested in going to a local gym. Yeah. And they kind of, you know, go down that rabbit hole. I mean, that's how I initially found CrossFit. I was, you know... That's how like I found CrossFit was the Open. Yeah, you like know? I was just going through ESPN one night, and I was like, oh, my, and it was, I think it was like Froning, Graham Holmberg, and like Ben Smith were doing a workout. I was like, oh, these guys are jacked, and they're yeah. doing all kinds of crazy things. I wonder where I can do this. And I started to Google, and then I'm finding the gym. So, like, I get that aspect of it, like the marketing and, the, and like the branding aspect of it. I just thought, like, before anyone ever explained it to me, I just was kind of disappointed that, you know, regionals no longer existed because now these sanctionals, um, it's like weird. It, they're in Europe. They're in you know, freaking South America. It's everywhere, just, everywhere. So world. it's it was just for me. It was harder for me to be a spectator and really enjoy the sport because they were so spread out all over the place. Well, I mean, the way that I look at it is, uh, there's winners and losers to everything, and I think. Um, Wait, if, you're telling me that there's no participation trophies? I know, right? Wow, mm-hmm. oh, you don't shit. get a trophy for showing up, people. Nope. At least not here. <laughs> um, so when it comes to the winners and, and the losers from the new for, new format versus the old format, um, the people who lose are, I, I wouldn't even say the spectators, right? I think with uh, the regionals, it was really cool that you got to root for your hometown hero. But in the grand scheme, like if your entire gym was based around that, then your gym's in trouble. Yeah, um, I, I agree. It sucks for your bubble athletes, or rather, uh, it sucks if you're a regional level athlete. The new format is pro- you're probably not happy with it, right? Because your entire training and your goals were centered around making the regionals because you just know that you don't have it. You don't have what it takes to make it to the games. Mm-hmm. Like like you're just, you know, you're you're a top twenty person. You don't have the genetic potential probably to Ooh. make it to the games. And some people know that. So when that happened, I think they were very upset. Mm-hmm. But what the sanctionals does uh what what it opens up is more opportunity for your bubble athletes to make it to the largest stage the biggest show the problem is is that now um if you're not a good enough athlete or if you're an up-and-coming athlete you most likely don't have sponsors and now you're paying your way for all your sanctionals because you're most likely not going to qualify on your first sanctional it's probably going to take you a few and a lot of traveling and thousands of dollars to make it so you know if you're a regional level athlete you're, you're just going to pay a lot of money to compete. Um, if you're already a games level, level athlete, you probably have a lot of sponsors that are really helping you out. So, um, you know, I think it's great. And 
And as a spectator, I love the sport of CrossFit. So even though I think I sounded like in the beginning like I wasn't, yeah. but I, I love watching people exercise. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's what the sport's about, right? I mean... Uh, <laughs> no, not, not really. I mean, you know, like that's why. Uh, well, I think the way that he phrased it is correct. Well, yeah, the sport the, of the CrossFit. Sport of that's sport, what it's yeah. about. Yeah. But CrossFit is something different. Something completely different. Yes, yeah. not to be confused with what we do at our boxes. Yes, right. yes, and, yeah, no, and I think for our listeners, that's a really big thing that you have to separate. Is is that the sport of CrossFit? I like to call it the sport of exercise racing. Yes, is different than. CrossFit at your box. Yeah, yeah. It's and, two totally different entities. Absolutely. I, yeah. I agree with that 1,000%. Like, um, you know, down in Wadapalooza this year, I was, this was my first time back in like, I think three years. And it had, it had grown to the point where it was like, I, I was blown away. And um, it was actually, it was it was run, it probably could have been ran a little bit better, but the, the fact that it grew from what it was, I had an opportunity to, um, interview Nicole Biscuti, the uh, CEO of uh, Chesty, and she was talking about how, you know, the first Wadapalooza event was like around that big fountain and they were pushing sleds and there were like nine people in the park. So for it to grow from that to what it is now, I mean, it was pandemonium out there and it was, it was awesome. It was I awesome. Loved I, it. I loved, I loved the event. I, you know, that's one of my favorite events, um, you know, in the CrossFit season, uh, you know, Especially now, after I've seen how it was run, I'm gonna make it a thing. If it, if it even is it um, available next year, I'm definitely gonna go back again. But I, I just feel like from where you see the growth in the sport when you see from where it started to where it is now, and I'm I was because I was just blown away because I didn't remember it being like that. And also too, it's Miami. I mean, who doesn't want to be in Miami? Riding scooters, riding scooters. You know what I mean? Those Uber scooters are incredible. <laughs> I went everywhere in the world. Well, not the world. I went everywhere within a one-mile radius for like two bucks. Yeah, everybody was <laughs> zipping around on those things. But I also wanted to tap into the the whole uh, the team aspect of it because they went from six athletes to four. What do you guys think about that? It makes way more sense because you can actually do team workouts. You can't do team workouts with six. At, you know, when it was six, everything was warm, warm, warm because that's the only thing that you can do as a team. H how does one judge judge six people yeah. moving at the same time be, yeah. i mean four is hard four is really hard but it's manageable and you can tell by the events that they're making it work yeah I, I, it makes more sense to me well so i was reading um dave castro's book from the 2017 games yeah and he talks about programming for the teams and that's exactly where he goes everything revolves around the worm for the team component of it whether it's running with the worm Worm shoulder to overhead, worm cleans, worm squats. That's all it was. And then everything else was individual. So it'd be, all right, athlete one does a snatch, athlete two does a clean and jerk. It's like really basic, but it's individual talents. Um, the four-person thing, man, now you've got like more synchro stuff. Way more fun to watch. Way more fun to watch. I mean, I did a team at Wadapalooza. Mm -hmm. That shit was fun. Like, I was like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. awesome. Um that whole experience was really cool, you know, just to kind of piggyback off of Wadapalooza, that lit my competition bug. I know Manny and I were like sitting there on the last day and I was like, I need to do more of this. This is, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. this is something that I I thought I was over, but I'm not. I got a little little juice left in the tank. Um, but yeah, no, four people is, it's way cooler. 
Now, now training for that, as far as like the, with the with the synchro aspect, uh, how does? Because I I've always wondered about that. Like how how do you get that to gel? I think it's just time and time and reps. You know, um, Manny and I have trained together for years now. We don't have to practice synchro. Yeah, we've worked out enough with each other that he knows when I'm tired or if I'm moving slower and vice versa. And we kind of pick up on that without mm-hmm. saying anything. So if you have a lot of people who, you know, with the Wadapalooza format, you could be at separate parts of the world and be on the same team, team because yeah. of the way that the qualifiers worked. So you lose that team aspect and being able to read your partner mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, you know, you just have to practice it because there's so many variables that come into f- the mix with, you know, your grip fatigue on going into a gymnastics movement. So somebody's cycle rate's going to be a little different if they're six feet versus five feet and all this other stuff. Um, it, it's a very learned skill, you know, just time and time and time again. Yeah. And I think what's really important, it's not necessarily practicing just the synchro movements themselves. Yeah. I think uh, yes, something that works really well for Cam and I, how we we actually never formally sat there and practiced like pull-ups. But when we do these workouts, we literally do it as if we practice it so many times. And it just occurred to me right now why that is. And it's because we worked out together competing against each other in workouts regularly so much that we know our, like I know when he's tired. I, I know his body signals. I know exactly, his, you know, I know his body language and he knows mine. So when we're jumping on the pull-up bar, he knows when I'm getting tired and vice versa, he knows if we're doing synchro thrust, thrusters, what my movement starts to look like when I start to break down uh-huh. and vice versa. And we only know that because we've worked out with each other so much that, uh, yeah, that just occurred to me right now that I think that's why we can do. So it just comes from the training chemistry. You guys have been working around each other for so long. So, you know, when, you know, Manny's on his second to last rep and you know, when you need to jump in. So I was going to jump into with this whole four, you know, person format, they were making these like super teams. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, we've all seen it in sports. You can take, you know, several individual players, right. And put them on one team. It doesn't necessarily make it the best team that's out there. No, you need that chemistry. You need that. Like, well, you need that. And you have to have role players. Yes. Right. So, you, you know, you, right you talk about, from like a sporting perspective, um, you know, let's look at like LeBron James. I, something that I think that he does very well is he can read what the team needs mm-hmm. and he'll be the guy that the team needs. If he needs to be the leading scorer and, and just handle the ball, he can do that. If he yes. needs to be a passer, he'll have the most assists that you could possibly have in a yeah, game. Absolutely. Um, when you start having these super teams, people don't know how to delegate. They're just so used to just doing everything. And then they lose that. So, you know. That's why Mayhem always wins. Yes. Because these, they live with each other. You know, these these people just, they hang on Tennessee and work out every single day. They're not spending parts of the year in other places, really. Mm-hmm. Like like most, that's why uh, this past year at the games, Mayhem just blew it out the water. And there were some teams that were stacked. And I was like, all right, man, they're going to give uh, Mayhem a run. And all of a sudden, like, you would watch them compete. And you can tell that they had no chemistry yeah that like maybe they don't work out with each other that much yeah i think that was like a huge part because like i said you saw teams with stacked athletes and you're like it just didn't add up to me but 
it goes back to what you guys are saying. It's like you need to be around these people to understand the deficiencies. You need to know like, all right, well, you know, I'm not so great at this, but, you know, Manny is great at this. So we'll, f we'll come up with a game plan because I think that's half the battle too. Being able to now formulate a game plan to be efficient. And I think, like you said, you can get an individual athlete and they're so used to just doing everything. That role player or that like utility guy is huge mm -hmm. because you don't need somebody. That's why I always like I, I tell people this all the time about CrossFit. It's it's a beautiful thing because it has so many modalities, right? And the 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 name of the game is to not suck, right? So you can be like okay, you can be super great at like let's say handstand push-ups or like some shoulder to overhead movement, but let's say you're like, you know, you're trash at like rowing. So that's not really gonna help you in a workout where are you picking on me? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I was I like, just, you just described Manny. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just using examples, but it, it, it kind of helps when you have a utility guy that can, you can kind of like plug in and be like, all right, yeah. well, I ain't so great at this, but I know this guy's good at this. So let's just figure out a, a game plan where we can work around this. And you can't really do that if you have somebody training in, you know, another state and you've never been around this person. You just know, hey, they're a great athlete. Yeah, well, and then you get onto the competition floor and just, like, reading body language. You know, if it's me and you on a team, we haven't worked out enough yeah. together. You know, I don't know what you look like when you're tired unless you're, you know, on all fours on the floor, you know, like, panting. Yeah, it's not coming You know, if I know that I need, like, I can look at Manny and I can tell his breathing is picked up or, like, he's breathing a little bit more through his mouth. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to take this next rep. You or, take an extra 10 seconds. Or if I'm just being soft. You know, that's another thing, too, is that, like, you have to... Yeah. You don't know when someone is just being like just if they're just in their head, you know, yeah. what you see, you know, uh, I love watching team events um, at really any level. You'll see this. You'll see one person fresh and then the other person just being soft. And then their, their partner's like shrugging. I'm like, hey, let's go. Let's go. And then the other person just freezes. Yeah. They don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, that's actually I was talking about that the other day that um. You know, mental toughness is a, a huge role in, like, sports. I think people will train the body, but they do not train the mind. And that's, like, I think that's physical attributes can only get you but so far, right? Some of the greats, if you really think about it, in any sport, they were locked in at some point, and that's all mental game. They were borderline I mean? psychos. Yes, yes. You have to in, in terms of their work ethic and their devotion to everything, mm -hmm. you would look at them and be like, you're a freak, you know, yeah. like you're just not like a normal human being, but that's exactly why they were successful. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you look at Kobe, the mama mentality, he's probably the most well-known right now. Um, Jesus. Um, sorry, my phone was ringing. Coach Janine is calling me. Um, you know, the mama mentality, he didn't turn off. Yeah. He was always working and studying and practicing and go figure the dudes, you know, one of the all-time great basketball players. Yeah, yeah. It's, for good I mean, reason. And you, and you got to think about this too. Uh, um, I I always go back to that uh, that games where Froning walks over and grabs Frazier's chalks. Like, give me the shit. Like, be, if you if you look if you look at any great athlete in history, someone will always tell you he was an asshole, right? And people would have perceived that move as a very like douchey or asshole move, but. That was just him solidifying his, like, alphaness, his greatness. Like, yeah. listen, bro, you're the new kid on the block. Give me that. I'm here. Respect my lane. Yeah. And I love that. That that single moment in CrossFit to me was, like, amazing 
because it's iconic. Yeah, it's iconic. It's basically it. That was like the um. That's like the that's the closest comparison you can come to like MJ and like LeBron or like Kobe to Kobe to Michael type of situation because when Froning first came in the sport everybody was like this is going to be the new guy. And you know Froning he wasn't the guy so him hearing that and now he gets to a place where he can be like in front of cameras and be like give me this shit. Still my town kid. It's like that was the, that was beautiful cuz I feel like in in CrossFit Titan snoring again. We're, we're all, you know, it's all about, hey, man, you know, you know, we're cheering on the guy at the end of the workout that's last out on the floor. That was the first time I ever saw in a competition someone do something like that. So that kind of showed, like, the realness of the sport. Because let's, let's face it, Froning's a very, very, very competitive guy. Yes. I love it. I, yeah, I, I, like, I love his competitiveness. Hold on one second. Titan, quiet down. Wake up. Sorry, dog so was snoring like, really Damn, loud. Rudy. <laughs> But, uh, no, but you even see that now with uh, Matt Fraser at the games this year. Who was it? Uh, He's a little. Nicer I think it was now, it though. was Scott Panchik. Yeah, he tried to take his water bottle or something like that, like before uh, one of the last events, and he joked about it. But it, like, dude was like, "No, I'm asserting dominance right now. Like, yes. I'm letting everyone know I'm the champ. Yeah, I don't care if Noah's got the leader jersey on or if it's close going into the last thing. He's like." I'm about to run through a brick wall. I think that's actually actually what he said. Yeah. He was like, I was ready to run through a wall. A little bit. When you're in that position, you have to assert that dominance. You have to. It's just, yeah, we get it. It's, it's a community-based sport, but at the end of the day. Not for them. Yeah. A winner's still going to want to win. Yeah. It's a sport. Yeah. It's a real yeah. sport. People, uh, you know, emotions are high, and there's money on the line, too. Yeah. Who doesn't want that, man? That's their payday, man. Like... We can shake hands after, but yeah, exactly. I'm gonna mess you up right now. Mess you up when I'm out here. Yeah, to me, it's weird to not play sports, like to a really high, like competitive, or, or, or rather, it's weird to play a sport just for fun. Yeah. I actually don't I really can't know do it. what that means. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that's that's kind of what we were talking about before this. Is you know we all play college sports. Yeah, we're wired differently. Yeah, if somebody doesn't have that experience. Sports were never competitive in that way. They were just for fun. You know, they, they'll never understand fully what it's like to be on a stage and ready to leave it all out there. And that's it. And just be uber competitive and like, yeah, I don't know no friends. Yeah. Can't. It's, it's in us. So I wanted to segue into, so I was on Instagram earlier and they posted that they were going to be doing the games at the ranch this year. Love it. And I immediately send that to Manny because we had a conversation about this and, and Manny kind of called it. Manny was like, listen, I, I think they're going to do it at the ranch. There'll be no spectators. Um, they'll figure out some system, I guess, with testing the athletes, making sure that they're in the safest environment as possible and, you know, probably have it streamed and then go from there. What are your guys' thoughts on them having it at the ranch? And, um, you know, what do you think we're going to see this year at the ranch? You think it's going to be like an old school style throwdown, or we're going to see some advanced type of programming, or what do you think, guys? Um, one, I, I love that it's at the ranch. I absolutely love that it's at the ranch. I think it makes a lot of sense. It's at the end of August, so hopefully uh, things are going to be a lot more calm with the current crisis. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are upset over some of the safety concerns, and you know. They're not the athletes. The athletes, if you let them choose, yeah. you know, like most of them are going to choose to compete and allow them to. I mean, I don't understand 
you know, if you know, they, they train so hard and this is their only opportunity, as long as the the governing body being a CrossFit sets up a safe environment mm-hmm. for them and uh, some sort of, you know, testing before they leave to make sure that if they have it, that they can't go out and, you know, spread it again, then, then, then let them do their thing. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, I don't think it's okay to take away someone's like once in a lifetime opportunity because for the majority of them, this is their only shot that they will ever compete at this. Yeah. And that's how they make money. Yeah. So if you're telling them that they can't go out and compete, you know, why is a sponsor going to pay them if yeah. they're not able to, you know, wear whatever or promote their stuff. And then there's money for the events. There's money for the winner and all this other stuff. So that's how they survive. So if you're telling them that they can't go do that, you're telling them that they can't work. And, and what's funny, it's, it's like it's person just on their couch, like, no, stay yeah. home. It's like, all right, buddy. Yeah. I feel like if you're not in the game, you can't really have any input. That's no. just my opinion. These guys, like you said, they work all year round, right? And some of these guys are on the bubble. This could be like, you know, they're maybe in their last like two years of their athletic dominance or, you know. But their last year, this is it. This is this it, is yeah. yeah. Why Once why take lifetime. it away from somebody if they have an opportunity to capitalize on it? Well, and that's like, you know, with NCAA this year, oh. canceling all spring sports. Dude, Dude it, it, breaks, it breaks my heart because... I look back on how memorable my senior year was. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I talk, when I get together with my former teammates, all we talk about is practices, you know, that we remember coach yelling at us games. Mm -hmm. I can remember specific plays from eight years ago, what the clock was doing, who was sitting in the stands, all this different stuff. Mm -hmm. And these kids will never have those memories. They're going to look back and be like, it was canceled. Yeah. And, I understand. I'm not saying that the NCAA should have let them play. For winter, they should have. They couldn't finish. So the wrestlers, they were literally, uh, they were, it was. They had like one tournament left, right? Yeah, they had the NCAA tournament. And that was it. And, and that was it. Oh. And I think it was like supposed to be that weekend. Oh. It was supposed to, it's like, dude, it's, it's a day. Let yeah. it happen. Let it happen. For spring, do you know if they granted another year of eligibility for spring? Because I know they didn't nope. for winter. Nope. They, they didn't for spring? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. Get out of here. I um, think some. Because I talked some? to um, some. Antonio. Yeah. Uh, and he actually messaged me and said that he got another year for lacrosse. For lacrosse? Yeah, I, I just I, I know, they but were, I don't know. I haven't looked into it that in depth. Yeah, I don't think they did that for basketball because I know. Um, well, because because that's a winter sport. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. OK, my fault. I know that they didn't for the winter sports, which is messed up because now we have legacy. You know, I know for wrestling, there were some people who were going to be, you know, three time NCAA champs, oh. you know, and uh, just oppor- or even an opportunity for four time, which is like, you know, there's only a handful in the history who are four timers. And I know Iowa had someone. Who was uh, who was supposed to be a four timer Spencer Lee, and now he's not even going to get that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It no, just it, it's just sucks, it really uh, it really breaks your heart that those kids, you know, some of them, their whole life revolved around that sport. They've given up yeah, nearly everything to make yeah. it happen, yeah. and then something that's totally out of their control. It's not like they got injured and their season came to an end. It was just like. That's yeah, it. They pull the rug out from underneath them, like, listen, you know, hey, and we got to pull the plug on this, and it's done. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. That's brutal. It just, I don't know, man. That, and I, a lot of those kids, you know, there is no next level. There's, it's, no, next there's level. no, well, you know, my senior year got cut, or we finished, you know, we didn't finish our season. Mm-hmm. 
but I could go into the NBA draft next year. Yeah. Or something like that. Or I can go into the D League or whatever. There's you know, no for water polo, there's not really a lot. Yeah, I mean. For real? Well, you can go to Europe, but you'll you'll have like three other jobs and play exactly. professional yeah, water yeah. polo. A handful of guys that 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 make money doing that. But um, I wanted to uh, segue into um, we had this conversation off off podcast. Uh, PEDs in sports, aka if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, what are your guys' views on PEDs in sports? And I mean all sports, not in in, in all aspects, not just CrossFit. But in all sports, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess my take is I'm not an advocate of PEDs. Let's just throw that out there right now. I'm yes. not saying that everyone should be taking them. I've never taken them. Yes, we all but, agree that it's morally wrong. We get that. Right. My, I guess, fundamental argument, which has its own flaws, is. Uh, certain steroids still don't necessarily make you a better athlete. And when I say a better athlete, I mean it doesn't help you be at the line of scrimmage and know what play is coming and reading the situation and and stuff like that. It yeah. makes you faster. It makes you stronger. Um, way and Manny's going to jump in and, <laughs> and tune me out. But I just think about, you know, if you're a batter, and you have 90 feet or whatever it is to make a decision on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, you still have to have that hand-eye coordination to make that happen. So steroids don't necessarily make you a better hitter. Sure, if you do make certain contact and you're stronger, like you're going to get a hit and stuff like that, but, man, it's still really freaking hard to do. Yeah, it is. I mean, Manny, go ahead, because I I see you itching over there to jump in. I mentioned. We're too um, close together. (laughs) The uh, I'm I'm going to disagree with Cameron. Steroids does make you a better athlete. Mm-hmm. The attributes that you just described are athletic attributes, so mm-hmm. it does make you a better athlete. It just doesn't make you a smarter athlete. athlete. You know, uh, when, when it comes to I think the uh, you know like the thinking and more tactical parts of the sport, and you know, it, it wouldn't improve in those areas. I think there's a fair argument about coordination and mental clarity and sharpness. I mean, I'm not a steroid expert, but I do know more than the average person about steroids because not because I've ever used them or anything. It's because I'm actually like really interested in them. I I think they're really, I don't think they're cool, but I just find them fascinating that you can just go so far beyond your genetic potential and why, you know? Um, But yeah, steroids do make you better, but it's, it's a problem not because of uh, I guess here's my stance on it. I'm okay with it in sports because I don't think there's a real way to stop it. Yeah. And it and if you're going to talk about a level playing field, then that then that is what it is. However, I think if you say yes to it, then it just sends a bad message to uh, sports at the lower levels because now. What's it stopping from it being accepted in the collegiate level, the high school level, elementary? And and you're crazy to think that it wouldn't have that effect because it absolutely oh, yeah, the, would. It already does. Yeah, the trickle effect is what, well, yeah. But but imagine if it was completely accepted. Um, did you guys ever see the documentary um, Icarus? Yes. Icarus. Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, they talk about steroids in their country like it's just a thing. Like that's what, like in high school, like you 
take steroids if you want to make a team. Yeah. Men in high school. Imagine like that's the message. You know, yeah. it, it, you know, it's it's a little bit crazy. You also have to think about it too. We spoke about this uh, before. Um, a lot of these guys that play these sports, this is their way out, right? And you know, it's not just an, it. You know, the individual aspect of it is the family aspect, the, the family component to it. Like, if I make it out of this neighborhood, I can potentially put my mother in the house, take care of my family, and create some kind of generational wealth. So. I've always had this stance where I'm not going to stand in somebody's way if you're if you're trying to provide for your family and create a better life. Um, you know, in life, things aren't fair, right? There isn't a level playing field in life. So, like, who am I to sit there and say, well, if you did this, you know, didn't, you know, I'm going to point a finger of judgment at somebody. You know, it is what it is, man. And if you look at it from an entertainment standpoint, you know, it's better to watch bigger, stronger, faster guys do things. I mean, let's be real. I mean... When Mark McGuire and I Sammy was Sosa. just going to say, one of the most iconic baseball seasons ever is the Sammy Sosa, Mark yeah, McGuire season. And that is like riddled with like, hey, they were on steroids. But like, duh. Was anybody really watching the sport like that prior to these two behemoths knocking, I mean, crushing balls out of the park? It created, um, you know, a, a different feel for the sport because it was getting so boring. It was like mundane to watch to go to a game. But then all of a sudden, you had Sammy cranking one one day, and Mark's going crazy the day after that, and then he had that home run race. And all of a sudden, everybody's watching baseball again. It it played in the favor of the sport. People who weren't watching baseball were now watching we're baseball now watching just baseball. to see who was going to get, you know, 60-plus home runs in a yeah. season. Insane. I uh, mean, it, it from, that, from the entertainment aspect, I can't. And you also have to look at the stipulations. We were talking about that too. The stipulations in certain governing bodies for these sports, they'll allow you know a, a, a certain level, level. Of, of yeah, like testosterone to beat. Like we were talking about the the trout situation. Mm -hmm. and like you know, you know, it, whatever the league stipulates is the percentage. He's like just underneath that, so he's kind of towing the line of like, is he? But it's substantially higher than a normal, normal human person. Being. Yes, exactly. So mm, I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know. And, there's no one, and that's why I said it depends, right? Because there's no, I don't think that there is a perfect answer or solution to the whole situation. It has its pros and cons for a bunch of scenarios. Um, I definitely think from like the ethical standpoint, that kind of makes me want to say to not allow it yeah. more than anything. Like I don't want a freshman in high school who's 110 pounds to think that steroids are the solution and then he's going to ruin his body yeah. um you know before while he's still developing and all of this other stuff it just has really far implications mm -hmm. um that outweigh me watching mark mcguire hit home runs yeah you know and i think the biggest problem is there's no way well not that there's no way is so right now drug testing is very good it's very very good you know they they, they can detect uh, the littlest things in your system. So right now we see a lot of tainted supplement um, things happening. So, you know, they, they'll have a, they'll be taking like a creatine that was probably made in the same factory as a steroid. And there'll be the smallest trace amount and, and people are getting popped for it because the drug testing is that strict, which is a good thing. I don't think it's bad at all. I, I actually like it. Mm -hmm. But um, the testing is really expensive. So they're doing tests at random. So people are just slipping through the cracks all the time. And a lot of times they have some sort of heads up on when the test is coming. So all they're doing is taking and then dodging. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think if there was a way to actually test nearly 24-7, I would be all about it, but it's not practical because it would be incredibly expensive. So if there was like a cheap way of literally having someone test every single day if they're part of a professional or international well, and then sport. And then that has its other implications where it's like, we'll call it, quote unquote, the government. Now they have access to you 24-7. It's like, do you want that much intervention? I think when you sign up to be a professional athlete, I, you know, I I think you give up certain things. It's like if you're a celebrity, you You give up basic rights. Yeah, you give up certain liberties. Yeah, can't go to, can't go to the store like a normal person can if you're a celebrity. And I think he's, you know, he's right about that. Uh, When you get to a certain level, there's certain things you have to sacrifice. Especially if, if you're trying to create an even playing field, because the U.S. gets screwed a lot in like international, sport, international sports, where yeah. we have USADA, uh, United States Anti-Doping uh, Agency. They will knock at your door and they will find you, and you will piss in that cup, or else you get suspended. <laughs> yeah, like like straight up there. It's it's it's. I mean, it's it's great, but they don't do that in other countries. No, like if you look at the sport of weightlifting. Um, yes, I was gonna... and and I just want to say like that's not the only reason why the U.S. is not that good at weightlifting, but one of the major reasons is that we're very strict with our drug testing protocol. And in other countries, it's like yeah, it's a free for all. Shit. Yeah, yeah, because, because the drug culture there is different. Different. Yeah. They, you know, they look at it as like medicine. They, they look at it as like it's not a big, it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that, and that's a huge part of it. I was going to say that you took the words right out of my mouth with the whole weightlifting situation. Is just like you look at other countries. You look at Russia. I mean, we all know about Russia. You look at China. What do they do? Mm. China just doesn't get caught. Yeah, it's just... It, well, I mean, the thing with Chinese weightlifting is... They dedicate doctors to this. Some, it's like, that's what they do. Like, if you're in... The whole Chinese system is so much better. <laughs> the whole Chinese system is so much better, is that? Well, for, for weightlifting in particular. So, mm-hmm. part of the reason why China is so good is because they're picking you out from the time you're a kid. So, they're literally picking you out based on, you know, the size of your hands, the size of your parents... So they're they're handpicking you. They're bringing you to weightlifting school from the time that you're little all the way through the time that you're adult. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't a lot of drugs in China. It wouldn't. Oh. Only because their system is so much different than our system, which people like to s- just jump right to, oh, they're probably just juicing. It's like, ah, or maybe it's because Americans pick up weightlifting at 16 years old. Yes. There's no system. The yep. coaching is mediocre. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're just playing a game of catch up. And anyone ever like stop and think of that? <laughs> I don't think anybody even puts that to. They, they don't put two and two together when it comes no, to they that. They just want to say, oh, it's steroids. It's, it's well, like, that's yes. the easy answer. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm sure, but. Because yeah, they literally have academies of kids doing things that they've picked them. They handpicked these kids to do this, mm-hmm. right? So I've seen, I know we've all seen the footage. There's like these little kids snatching at like six years old. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not doing that here. So of course they're going to be ahead of the curve. Right, and we're gonna always constantly be playing catch up. And they're not just picking like any little kid yeah. who, who wants to play. They're literally picking someone who has the genetics mm-hmm. and the limbs yes. and all of these things. It's like imagine if we did that here. And you're like, all right, you're you know, your parents are six five each and Oof. you're You're not already, doing weightlifting. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're gonna play basketball. <laughs> look 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 at those limbs from when you were like a little kid. Yeah, well, you heard about that guy that tried to get, like, I think he was going to pay, like, Serena and LeBron to conceive a baby. 
Wait, create a super athlete. I'm wait, like, really? Yeah, dude. He was like, listen, uh, you and you over there, right? The, and, and you need to think about these these two athletes are phenomenal athletes, and their, their dimensions smart. are like ridiculous. They, excessive genes? Just, they could. <laughs> it, yeah. It's a dice roll when you, right? you, you have a baby. Are funny. Genetics, it's just literally, it's a crapshoot. You can, you can have it, you know, you can roll the dice and completely crap out and not get what you expected. But I think what he, what he was talking about was like literally like, Taking their two genetic makes up and their their two genetic makers makeups and making a baby and taking the best of both. So you know, twenty three and twenty three, just ow, and then we're gonna have a a freaking super baby, a super a super brawn or a super Serena. Like you, uh, well now I'm man. curious. Super I want Serena. that to happen. That sounds great. I don't think it's gonna happen not in this day and age, but I mean, or you roll the dice with average parents and then uh, you get John Jones, Chandler Jones, and Arthur Jones. Yeah, that that For family me. is amazing to me. Like that, you can just do, like I, I also look at them and I look like the Mannings. Like they need to take that man's sperm. Part of my French, I mean, whatever. But sperm. Or they need to have more Mannings out in this world. Archie Manning won nothing. Okay, <laughs> he won nothing. He ran around and got his ass pummeled in New Orleans, right? And then both his kids have two Super Bowl rings apiece. And they said Cooper would have been just as good. He had like spinal stenosis or something like that. I was gonna say what he had something. He had some issue. But just think about it. In between two kids, you have four rings, and you came from nothing. Like, that's just amazing. Yeah. And like that, because if you watch that special, like the book of Manning, it's like, damn. Bro. And he, I mean, he was phenomenal in college. I'll take, n- I'll take nothing away from that man. But for you to produce children like that, like I say that about like the Smith family, like in CrossFit, they're like oh, the yeah. Mannings because like all the brothers are awesome. Even the dad is a fucking ridiculous athlete. And I'm like, that's all. That's all genes, bro. This guy's pulling 600 pounds at like 50 years old, like no problem. Is it just genes? It could be. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to PEDs, we can't tell anymore. We can't tell anymore. But I think we covered all aspects of uh, of, of of the bullet points that we were going to hit today. Um, I actually really like this one because I think we 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 dug deep and we hit touchy subjects. And you guys made some really valid points. So I just want to thank you guys for that. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Coaching Couch. Um, tune in next week. I think we got some more interesting stuff that you guys like to listen to. Yes. Anything in closing, guys? Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I feel good to not talk about. Uh, don't say it. I know. Yes, you know I, I was thinking it. Don't say it. I love it. And uh, we're going to keep it that Life way. is good. Let's yes. go. Life is good. Just easy talking. <laughs>